Milan, London, New York, and Paris are the fashion capitals of the world. Designers in these cities have a major influence on the fashion trends that show people how to dress for success. Are you dressed for spiritual success? It begins by putting to death the vices of the flesh and simultaneously putting on the virtues of the spirit. But don't stop there. Embrace your new identity in Christ. Renew your mind daily with the Word of God and get connected with other followers of Jesus in biblical community. From God's perspective, there's nothing fashionable about the flesh. As a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, lay aside that old filthy garment and put on your new self. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. God doesn't love you because of. He loves you in spite of. Hello, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. If you think you have to perform well to earn God's love, Ron invites you to think again. Stay tuned for an encouraging word about the unlimited, unconditional love of God. As Ron continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Listen and subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now from Colossians chapter three, here's Ron with part two of his message, putting on your new self. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do want to do, says Paul. Okay, chapter 8, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. That's the key to this. How do you put off the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the Spirit? Well, you got to keep in step with the Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment, saying yes to the Spirit, and no to the self. And the new self, we're talking about putting on the new self, right? Dressing for spiritual success. The new self comes first from the new birth. And then once you've been born again and you have the Spirit of God in you, it comes by living in the Spirit. So let me ask you this, have you been born again? We're not talking about a self-improvement program. We're not talking about uh, willpower. We're not talking about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We're not talking about, you know, the old Avis way. We just try harder. That's where Paul was in Romans chapter 7, trying harder to live the Christian life. The Christian life is not just difficult to live. It's impossible to live apart from the enabling resources of the Holy Spirit. Who, who is the one who is on site and on the job helping us to live by the Spirit, helping us to put off the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the Spirit day in and day out. Are you still with me? Here's something else that helps us put on the new self and dress for spiritual success. We must embrace our new identity in Christ, okay? Go back to verse 12. Paul says, put on then, and before he gives us this next list, put on then as God's chosen ones, 
holy and beloved, and a little bit later, as the Lord has forgiven you. I find four words in there that describe and further describe our identity in Christ. We're chosen. Think about that for a moment. I don't want to get too off the beaten path. Jesus said to His disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Okay? There's none that seeks after God, not even one, the Bible says. But He's been seeking after you, and He chose you. Secondly, you're holy. Me, me, pastor, me, holy? No, not exactly. Well, God says you are. He also says you're a saint. A saint. Even the Corinthian believers were called saints because they were in Christ, okay? Now, you can be a saint and not acting very saintly. I get that. That's called sanctification. But you are holy. You are set apart for a divine purpose, the word means. You're also loved or beloved. You're in the beloved. Anybody here just need to remember again and be reminded that God loves you? Maybe you've had a hard week and you don't feel very loved today. But God doesn't love you more today than He did yesterday. He doesn't love you more or less because of what you did or didn't do, because of how you performed well or didn't perform well. He just loves you, okay? Now, sometimes He certainly loves us too much to leave us the way we are, and He's got a plan for sanctifying us and shaping us. And yes, discipline is a part of that to bring us along and shape us and help us put off the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the Spirit. But He loves us. And no matter what hard time you're going through right now, don't, don't ever forget that He loves you. And then finally, you're forgiven. Wow. You're forgiven. The Bible says when God forgives us, He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. And He doesn't forgive and forget. You've heard me say this before. How can an omniscient God forget? He does something better. He chooses to remember our sins no more, the Bible says. And Paul, go back to Colossians 3. He says, uh, we're to bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, does anybody have a complaint against somebody else? Maybe in the church or at your place of work or in your family, in your neighborhood? You at odds with somebody? Uh, he says, um, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, wouldn't that be nice? As the Lord has forgiven you, he raises the bar here, so you also must forgive. Wouldn't it be great to be in a family, even the family of God, and in a local expression of that where grace and forgiveness and love and harmony uh, were all a part of that? It begins by embracing our new identity in Christ. What Paul is trying to drive home is, listen, you're a brand new creation in Christ, and there is behavior that is becoming of that, of you being a chosen, holy, loved, and forgiven person. When Catherine was growing up and she was in high school, she has two older brothers, and when any one of them would go out on a Friday night with some friends, her dad would say, remember who you are, where you came from, and what you stand for. <laughs> In other words, whatever you do out there, make sure you're doing it out of, you know, who you are in this family. And Paul, Paul's saying a similar thing. Embrace your identity in Christ um, and, and live this way, not through self-effort, 
not through pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, but by drawing upon the enabling resources of the Holy Spirit. Number four, how do we do this? By renewing your mind with the Word of God. I found it interesting how uh, at least twice Paul drops this into his conversation. Verse 10 is one of those places. And have uh, put on the new self, he says, now listen, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. How are we renewed in knowledge? Well, through the Word of God. Uh, this has to do with our minds. And Paul's picking up on what he said just a few verses earlier in verses 1 to 4. He says, set your minds on things above, not on things on this earth. Remember what we said last time, how do you set your mind? It all starts with your thinking. It all sets with your mind. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. It all starts with our thinking, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And whatever it means to put off the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the Spirit, we're doing this as we're being renewed in knowledge. That, that implies process and progress in the Word of God. He goes down in verse 16. He mentions the Word of Christ, which is, of course, the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. I just want us to see here the connection between the Word of God and the worship of God, between teaching and admonishing one another and singing and worshiping in the church. I had an interesting conversation with some people this week. We were talking about, you know, how do you choose a good church? And one person said, well, it's all about the music for me, all right? And somebody else said, no, it's all about the teaching, the Bible teaching. I want to make sure I'm getting fed well. All that music stuff is just, you know, prelude for the really important part of the worship service. I say, no, I, you know, it's a both and. It's not an either or. If you want to put on the new self and if you want to dress for spiritual success, it starts with how we think and renewing our minds with the Word of God. Not just in a setting like this where you're under the teaching of God's Word. We all need to be under the teaching of God's Word, including the pastor. But then you need to be in it for yourself, and you need to be reading the Word of God daily. Romans chapter 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it starts with uh, the Word of God as that tool. But we, the Word of God... And the renewing of our minds spills over into the worship of God. And we sing and we worship. It's all worship through the word and through the song. And it's all part of uh, how God brings progress in our lives uh, toward the image of Christ. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. Listen on demand to any of Ron's messages at somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out our digital library where you can find more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and get answers to some of your most challenging questions. Again, that's the digital library at somethinggoodradio.org. So let me ask you, 
Do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones wants to send you a copy of his new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, An Intimate Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you, phrase by phrase, through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, does God answer prayer? That's the Jesus way to pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend and request a two-pack for $50, a four-pack for $75, or an eight-pack for $150 or more. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get back to Ron as he shares the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, Putting On Your New Self. And then finally, here's the fifth thing that I see Paul dropping in that is key has to do with getting connected in biblical community. How do you dress for spiritual success? How do you put on the new self? Uh, to say it to you just in, in, in a short, quick way, you can't do it alone. You can't do it as a lone ranger. You, you can't do it as a rugged individualist. Now, one of the problems that we have as uh, Americans in the church and as Westerners is we think like Westerners. And part of our American psyche is this idea of rugged individualists. So if you listen carefully to a lot of preaching and teaching and Christians talking, it's all about me and my relationship with Jesus. And that's fine. You have a personal relationship with God. I have a personal relationship with God. But biblical Christianity is communal. That's the way they think in the East where this faith began. That's the way they thought in Judaism. That's the way the Apostle Paul thought. It wasn't about me and Jesus hanging out together, which oftentimes leads to, I I'm okay with Jesus, and Jesus is just all right with me, but I don't like that organized religion stuff. I don't want to organize into a group of people. Eh, that's just, no, that's just me and Jesus. That is so antithetical to the Christian life and to the Eastern way of thinking. It's a Western way of thinking. How do I know that? Because in this discussion, in, in, in Colossians 3, 5 through 17, where we could easily just talk about me and my relationship with Jesus, uh, me putting off the vices of the flesh and putting on the virtues of the Spirit, completely disconnected from biblical community. But if you read it carefully, Paul drops these words into verse 12. Here then is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. He's talking about the larger community of faith. And unless you understand the Eastern way of thinking, this seems out of place to our Western way of thinking. But it's not out of place in the flow of Paul's thought here because he's always thinking communally. He's always thinking about, I'm living out my faith connected with others who are also running hard after Jesus. 
And what he's saying here is in this community of faith that sometimes devolves into the old life and there's anger and there's this and there's that, but here's who we really are in Christ. By the way, Christianity has no barriers, he says. There isn't Jew and Greek. Today we'd say, there's not black and white and brown and yellow and all these racial and ethnic diversities, you know, uh, uh, pitting themselves against one another in the body of Christ. Of course not. There's not circumcised and uncircumcised. Uh, The Jews thought of themselves as the special chosen people of God and wouldn't even associate with an uncircumcised Gentile. There's not barbarians out there. The Greeks thought that some people were, were barbars. Barbarians, just rude, you know, crude, uh, barbarian-like people, and nobody was more of a barbarian than a Scythian. Then there's the the free and the slave. What Paul is saying is, no, we're just one big family, the body of Christ. And to put on the new self, we need one another. We need each other to do this. You can't live the Christian life as a lone ranger. One of the evidences of that in the New Testament are the many one another passages. You ever studied those? There are 50 of them in the New Testament. Love one another, bear one another's burdens, you know, encourage one another, forgive one another, over and over. It's just layered throughout the New Testament. Twice in this passage, if you read it carefully, you see the phrase one another. Bearing up with one another. In other words, put up with one another, all right? Because there's a lot to put up with, with me, with you, with all of us. Twice he mentions one another. Once, in verse 15, talks about one body. This isn't individualism. This isn't rugged individualism. This, This is the body of Christ, the family of God. This is why we talk so much about life groups here getting connected in biblical community. And it's not an option for a pastor or staff member or elder or deacon to say, yeah, it's nice for everybody else to do, but no, we we make it a requirement of ourselves that we're connected in community. I have a life group. By the way, my life group is not my favorite people at the church. You know, that's how it happens sometimes. Now, the pastor has a small group, but he picks and chooses his favorite people. No, we don't do that here. There's neither Greek nor Jew. We don't have all these barriers to entry and all that. We, we do it by geography. We do it by high school zone. I'm in the Kellum High School zone. If you live in that high school zone, guess what? You can come to my life group. Come up and talk to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And we say to people here, tell us where you live, and we'll get you connected with people from this church who live in your neighborhood, your community, your high school zone. That's how we do it. We're not picking and choosing our favorite people. That produces cliques, not community, okay? But we all need it. I need my life group desperately. We've been doing this for about four years with this life group. I didn't know any of these people when I came here. They weren't on the list of people that, you know, you would think that a pastor would choose to be in his life group. No, we just said, hey, who who are the people who live out near us, who go to this church? And our relationships have developed. I I need this group of people, and you wouldn't even perhaps even know who they are, but I need them to help me be a better pastor, to help me be a better follower of Jesus, because we're in this together. Uh, We're not just rugged individualists trying to put off 
the vices of the flesh and put on the virtues of the Spirit. Uh, we, we do this together. We hold one another accountable. We encourage one another. We're there when we're going through some struggles, and we're there to celebrate great things going on as well. That's why we encourage you so much to get connected in a life group. Otherwise, you're kind of on your own, and the Christian life doesn't work that way. You, you'll end up taking three steps forward and 18 steps backward and wondering, why doesn't this work as well as I want it to work? For all the reasons we talked about, including the importance of getting connected in biblical community, we need all of that to help us uh, put on our new self and to live out who we are in Christ, to dress for spiritual success just as God intended it to be. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, putting on your new self, and I'm pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones. Ron, let's talk for a minute about how this idea of taking off the old self and putting on the new self might apply to some of the issues we're all facing right now. Social and political strife, economic turmoil, nations at war with one another. Practically speaking, how can you frame today's message in a way that applies to what's going on around us right now? Well, that's a great question, Brian, and I know that so many people are struggling today with frustration, with fear, and quite frankly, with anger. And you're absolutely right. It's not all about the pandemic and its lingering effects. I'd say right now it's the social and political strife that has many of us feeling anxious and frustrated. Emotions are high, and when the volume on emotions gets turned up, well, the volume on truth gets turned down sometimes even muted. So here's what I'd like to say to our listeners. The time is now, right now, today, to put off a very specific idea being put forth by the culture. I'm talking about the mainstream media, the social media, maybe even some people that uh, you may know or work with that are expressing their opinions all about uh, what's going on now. Many of them would have you believe the lie. Are you ready for this? That the people are the enemy. This gender or that gender, this race or that race, this group or that group, this person or that person. But it simply isn't true. People have never been the enemy. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan. So even though we may strongly disagree with one another at times, people are not the enemy. Satan and the unseen spiritual forces of darkness are the enemy. So the thing to put off is this lie that certain people are the enemy. And the thing to put on is that Jesus is the solution. Not just right now with all that's going on, but all the time. You know, Brian, Jesus never really got too much into politics or even race relations. Instead, he got into human relations. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. And here's another one, one that particularly applies to all of God's people right now. Overcome evil with good. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. He skipped right over all of the specific issues and got right into the solution. And as his ambassadors here on earth, well, it's time for us to get out of the weeds and into the word. If you want to hate something, hate sin and hate the devil. Beyond that, let's put on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
which is that all have sinned and all need a savior. And that savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Dr. Ron Jones with a great word of encouragement about how to engage the world at a time in our history where tensions are running high. Ron, as we wrap things up here on this edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where you're headed next time when you continue your teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Well, Brian, I'm really excited about this next message because here is where the Apostle Paul begins to talk about marriage and family life. If Jesus is truly supreme, if he is greater than, then what does a godly marriage look like? What is the husband's role in marriage? And what about the wife's role? I'll stay in Colossians chapter 3 to answer these and other questions, but we'll also go back to the first marriage, Adam and Eve, to gain some additional insight. The message is called Christ in the Home and Work, and it comes your way tomorrow. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.